Hi, this is Chris McGregor. The work of Discerning Hearts really could not continue without your prayers and support. Between now and December 31st, please consider making a year-end tax-deductible gift to Discerning Hearts. We are a 501c3 not-for-profit organization. Your donation is fully tax-deductible to the extent permitted by law. Click the Donate button on DiscerningHearts.com or inside the Discerning Hearts free app. Your generous support will allow us to continue producing the type of spiritual formation programming you have come to expect from us, like those from Archbishop George Lucas, Father Timothy Gallagher, Dr. Anthony Lillis, Monsignor John Essef, and so many more. Please prayerfully consider supporting our mission, which is dedicated to those on the spiritual journey. Thank you, and God bless from all of us at Discerning Hearts. DiscerningHearts.com presents Beginning to Pray with Dr. Anthony Lillis. Through the years, clergy, seminarians, religious, and lay faithful have benefited from Dr. Lillis's lectures and retreat conferences on the Carmelite Doctors of the Church and the writings of St. Elizabeth of the Trinity. He's an author of several books, including Hidden Mountain's Secret Garden, A Theological Contemplation on Prayer, and Fire from Above. Christian Contemplation, and Mystical Wisdom. In this particular series of conversations, we'll focus on the spiritual writings of St. Teresa of Avila, and in particular, her autobiography. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We now continue with part two of our conversation. Well, in this particular case for Teresa of Avila, she would tell us that it was 17 years before she was able to find someone who seemed to speak into her experience and to help her, along with other Jesuit fathers that she would talk about later. But there was a particular confessor, that a cleric, who was able to help her. There was a, a Dominican who, who was of great help because of his learning and his sanctity. When you have learning and sanctity together, you can't get a better confessor than that. And I, and those men do exist. They're hard to find, but they do exist. And when they, you have one in your life, cling to them like gold. They're the best. And we want to help all our priests become holy and, and to uh, engage in the sacred study they need to to be able to help souls. But no, I was thinking in, in this chapter, there's another soul, that a uh, priest that she begins to go to and she has holy conversations with. And, uh, and that priest kind of is in a very dangerous situation. And so this, this sometimes happens when you are, when you are um, uh, trying to find a good priest. Uh, as you're, you're reaching out to people, you find someone who you think can help you. And soon after you've kind of engaged them, you realize that they are as wounded, if not more wounded, than you are. I, I think this experience that Teresa of Avila has with this young priest who's basically come under the influence of a witch uh, is very important for us today. It's very easy for a good-intentioned priest in today's climate, in our oversexed world in which we live, where people have so many psychological uh, uh, needs and wounds that they, they don't know how to get met appropriately, and so they reach out and they grasp for help that that really doesn't will never help them. Failures in seminary, we, we've, we've oftentimes failed to help men deal 
with the diseases that are all through the human heart. The human heart is a big mess and you can't deal with it alone. You need to get help. You need to talk to people who are wiser than you and have expertise in areas that you don't have. And if you don't do that, if you don't learn to do that in seminary and you go out and well, those needs are going to drive you one way or another. And that's what happened to this priest. This priest got into an inappropriate relationship with a woman who cast a spell on him, gave him a, a magic amulet and put it, told him to put it around his neck. And he didn't realize fully, I, I think he knew to some degree, but he didn't realize fully that when he did that, he bound himself to her. That being bound to another person that way uh, needed to be broken. Teresa does not say that her own relationship with this priest was as pure as it ought to have been. And that's, that's part of the deal as we get into relationships. We begin to realize that because we're not dealing with sin, it undermines our ability to have good relationships with each other. The more you deal with sin, the better relationships you can have. The less you deal with sin, the more likely um, uh, there's going to be kind of, oh, um, uh, unrecognized needs and drives kind of compelling things in a certain direction and you're not exactly sure why. Now, she never got into serious sin with this priest, but she also says that her own relationship with him wasn't that pure either. Her intentions, she, her motives were mixed and she wasn't, she was naive about that. And so were his and his naivete uh, is kind of uh, evidence in the fact that he was already in another inappropriate relationship that he didn't know how to get, get free from. And so one inappropriate relationship causes you, disposes you to, to get in a whole network of bad relationships. And he was about to suck Teresa up into this, uh, this terrible network of sin, a web of sin, you might call it and catch her up into it, and, and she wouldn't have been even fully realized. But uh, fortunately, because she was going to confession, fortunately because uh, although she wasn't as pure as she ought to have been, she wasn't dealing with sin the way she ought to have been dealing with it. She was, however, sincere in, uh, in approaching the Lord, at least to some degree, enough that in following her conscience, she kept up good boundaries. And in keeping up good boundaries, she also cared enough about this priest to get him to surrender to her that amulet, and she threw it into the river. She didn't mess around with that kind of thing. She didn't excuse it. She didn't call it a good thing or wink at it or try to ignore it. She, she kind of, it took her a lot of courage to confront him and, and it took her a lot of patience to get him to trust her enough so that he would give that terrible thing to her so that she could get rid of it. Uh, and the beauty of the story is that he, he goes on to live a converted life and uh, he breaks the relationship. He goes on to live a converted life. She was an instrument from the Lord to break that and to help him come into conversion. And this is something that, again, we can do for each other as we go forward. Uh, it's just that the less converted we are, the more dangerous it is uh, those situations are. And this will be the beginning of a wake-up call for Teresa. Uh, in the midst of her illness, 
She begins to see how serious life is. She begins to understand that sin is something very dangerous and you can't be naive about it. And she realizes that a vocation was nearly destroyed because of a man's naivete about sin. And so this plants a seed in her that's going to incline her to the Lord all the more. The power of this particular section is very, very important because, as you said, what he did originally with the person that he was in this, maybe he felt he was the confessor to this woman or a spiritual guide, but in the behavior, he opened the door. When you open the door to something that is disordered, when it's different between a priest and a penitent or a priest and a soul that's looking, as opposed to developing a relationship that is more interpersonal, it's important to have relationships with priests and lift them up. But when it comes to matters of directing the soul, a priest has to be very careful that he doesn't open the doors to affections that are unhealthy and attachments to him that are unhealthy. And I see that happening sometimes not just with single women, but I see that sometimes when married women will go to a confessor or a priest and it is unbalanced as opposed to their relationship with their husbands or maybe their, their family needs because the priest has taken on a role in their life that, as I said before, is, is not balanced, it's disordered. Am I opening up a Pandora's box here, Anthony, oh, no. in this conversation? No, not at all. I, I think it's a very important thing. And we all have responsibilities to keep our relationships ordered. As spiritual relationships and marital relationships require a lot of discipline and keeping up good boundaries and, and proper discretion and kind of humility and self-awareness. Where is my heart? You know, why did I just say what I just said? You know, where are my eyes going right now? This person who I care about, how can I protect them and the integrity of their vocation and help them live out the vocation they're supposed to live out? There's a lot of hard work to be done in that. And and so both priest and penitent, uh, spiritual director and the supplicant who comes to them, especially when it's between relationships between men and women are involved, there's profound discretion and prudence and kind of self-awareness that is absolutely demanded. And most of all, humility before the Lord. Lord, help me put up a good boundary here because I don't think this one's good. And what can I do so that I'm building this up a little bit? And what do I need to renounce and walk away from? Am I trying to get a need met in my own life? Am I trying to appropriate this person to meet a need that God does not will, does not receive glory if they meet it? There's things a confessor can do in terms of forgiveness of sins. There's things a spiritual director can do in terms of helping someone step out into freedom. But there are also things that a husband or a wife is supposed to do in your, have a role and has authority and sovereignty in your life if you're married. And that very particular spiritual role needs to come first and be respected first. And this is for people who are married, but also for people who are planning to get married. If you're not yet married, you haven't yet found your husband or your wife, keeping yourself for them and avoiding seeking in an impure way emotional satisfactions and relationships that are not 
purely for the glory of God. You have to be very, very careful of that. And that's what Teresa of Avila means by her relationship with this priest wasn't completely innocent or pure on her part. She was probably deriving some sort of emotional benefit. Men and women are very different. This priest was probably looking for some relief for his need for emotional support, and he was probably looking for some kind of sister or mother in his life to address his insecurities around his own manhood and what God had called him to. And Teresa, for her part, you know, as a woman, there's kind of a a deep ache that needs to be filled, and she hasn't yet given herself over to prayer in such wise that Jesus is able to fill that for her. So in this relationship, she was probably getting some affirmation and pleasantries exchanged and so forth that were meeting some emotional needs that Jesus wanted to meet. Well, the reason why she has the courage and the fortitude to bring right order to this relationship is she is undergoing extreme suffering at this stage of the game. And with that extreme suffering, there's a wisdom of heart that takes hold. She's so physically sick, she's not able to keep up the discipline of her religious life very well. But the treatment the doctors are giving her really is really bad for her. And remember, she prayed for, for some kind of illness to come so that she'd learn patience. And so it seems like the Lord was granting her this grace in this chapter. She has that suffering. And as horrible as suffering is, it's also true that in the midst of great suffering, there's a certain sobriety and wisdom of heart and awareness of death that roots your being. And she was being rooted in that. And so it gave her, I think, well, it allowed the Lord to communicate into her enough prudence and fortitude so that she could deal rightly with this relationship. We'll return to Beginning to Pray with Dr. Anthony Lillis in just a moment. Did you know that Discerning Hearts has a free app where you can find all your favorite Discerning Hearts programming? Father Timothy Gallagher, Dr. Anthony Lillis, Monsignor John Essif, Deacon James Keating, Father Donald Haggerty, Mike Aquilina, Dr. Matthew Bunsen, and so many more. They're all available on the free Discerning Hearts app. Over 3,000 spiritual formation programs and prayers, all available to you with no hidden fees or subscriptions. Did you also know that you can listen to Discerning Hearts programming wherever you download your favorite podcasts, like Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Spotify, even on Audible, as well as numerous other worldwide podcast streaming platforms. And did you know that Discerning Hearts also has a YouTube channel? Be sure to check out all these different places where you can find Discerning Hearts Catholic Podcasts, dedicated to those on the spiritual journey. St. Teresa speaks to us today, saying, Let nothing disturb you. Let nothing frighten you. All things are passing away. God never changes. Patience obtains all things. Whoever has God lacks nothing. God alone suffices. O God, who through your Spirit raised up St. Teresa of Jesus to show the Church the way to seek perfection, grant that we may always be nourished by the food of her heavenly teaching and fired with longing for true holiness. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, 
who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. St. Teresa, pray for us. That we may become worthy of the promises of Jesus Christ. Amen. Discerning Hearts provides content dedicated to those on the spiritual journey. To continue production of these videos, prayers, and more, go to discerninghearts.com and click the donate link found there or inside the free Discerning Hearts app to make your donation. Thanks and God bless. We now return to Beginning to Pray with Dr. Anthony Lewis. So powerful, Anthony. I just think this is something that many of us deal with. And if there are persons out there that might be thinking, or this is kind of pinging in their heart that maybe I'm embracing this particular relationship with somebody who is guiding me, but it, it's a little bit more than it should be. I'm trying to be very delicate here because this is a very tender area. What would be an indicator of, say, uh, healthy and then what to do if we feel it's not? Sure. The indicator that a relationship is healthy is that it actually helps you live out your responsibilities to your main state in life. It makes your marriage stronger, in other words, or it kind of allows you, if you're in a single state of life, to be more free and single. Don't find yourself thinking or preoccupied by the other person. They've helped you. They've blessed you. You may have helped them. You may have been a blessing for them. But your attention isn't really on each other. Your attention is on the service of the Lord. That's kind of the state of life that had been entrusted to you. And that's, that's how you know this is basically a good thing that God is doing in your life. How do you know that, it, that it's a bad thing? Well, do you find yourself thinking about the other person? Do you find yourself needing their affirmation or needing their attention? Uh, do you find yourself seeking them out inordinately delighted when you're around them? You know, and, and if this happens, what do you do? You, you, well, you, you need to kind of step back and, and maybe even sometimes step out of the relationship completely until it, your affections are back in order at least. And this is a normal problem, you know. So we got to respect each other. If all of a sudden father needs to back away, he seems to be cold or stepping away from you, it's probably because he's probably trying to protect your state in life. He's picked up something that, that isn't quite healthy. And so he's trying to respect boundaries and situate you so that you can freely be the, the man or woman you're supposed to be. And, uh, and so we, we need to respect that in each other. And sometimes you'll come across a, a minister of the gospel of Christ who maybe is just a little bit too clingy and you need to put up a good boundary and go see somebody else or, you know, rely on somebody else. And so it, it kind of works both ways. And when we see that, we should never be shocked at what's in the human heart and its propensity towards sin and mixed motives and that kind of thing. We, if anything, you can laugh at it a little bit and offer it to God and beg God for his, his mercy because we all are in need of his mercy so much. But then take sin seriously, take the needs of our hearts seriously and our own woundedness seriously. If, if you find yourself regularly going into relationships that aren't that healthy or, or at least you recognize a lot of impurity, you know, it might be good to talk to a counselor about what needs aren't getting met in your life concerning your state in life with like your spouse or, or whatever your state in life is. Why is it that I keep on going towards these inordinate relationships? What's going on with me? So these are prudential steps to take. Sometimes it's a good 
counselor, sometimes a good confessor, sometimes a good spiritual director can help you sort through these things. But it's good when it helps you live out the vocation that God has given you with freedom and uh, inner strength and filled with hope. Relationships have already gone in a very dangerous place when they're preoccupied. You find yourself anxious or resentful or bitter about them because you didn't get what you needed to get. That means that probably you're appropriating them as a means to an end rather than receiving them as a gift from God and offering them back to him. You know, the bottom line is, in order to receive somebody as a gift from God and to offer them back to God, that takes tremendous spiritual freedom. It takes the ability to kind of renounce your own neediness and seek the needs that you have from God through the legitimate means that he's placed in your life. So anyway, that's my counsel on that. Spiritual friendship, few things can help you become a saint as swiftly as spiritual friendships that can emerge in the body of Christ. And few things that can lead to disaster as quickly as a relationship that is, as you said earlier, Chris, out of order, inordinate, not ordered to the holiness to which we're called. Here, I guess there's just one more thing. It's a little bit of a subtext in this chapter, and so I'll bring it up now because I think it was a struggle that Teresa will have that gets resolved uh, later on in the book. Uh, God's going to give her a mystical grace that will resolve the struggle. But there's a way in which we, we can be in spiritual relationships when and we lie to, to ourselves. We think that we're doing something for someone else when really in our conversations with them and so forth, we're meeting our own needs. And that's an extremely dangerous thing because you're appropriating, you're using that person as a means to an end. You don't intend to, at least not at first. That's not the reason why you've gone to them. But at a certain stage, they're meeting, you've become accustomed to them meeting some kind of unmet needs you have. And so you're appropriating them to that. And that's going to ruin their vocation. It's going to ruin your vocation. You won't be free for the service of the Lord. And that's where very particularly acts of renunciation become extremely important. What does that look like, Anthony? I mean, for somebody out there, how would they be able to recognize that perhaps with an, an example? If a woman's married and she's relying on a man who's not her husband, or a man is relying on a woman who's not his wife, in that uh, reliance, you know, you find yourself occupied with them. Uh, you can't wait to see them again. And they're kind of constantly there in the back of your mind. You're worried about what they think and what they don't think and, and all of that. Marriage, it binds you to someone in a very particular way. You ought to be thinking like that about your, your husband or your future husband or your wife or your future wife. That's the way you ought to be thinking about them because that relationship is specifically ordered to that. When it comes to members of the opposite sex and you find that kind of preoccupation going on, the commandments not only around adultery but coveting you need to kind of examine your conscience and go, you know, what's really going on in my heart? What's really going on here, Lord? If you notice that you are desiring them, and I'm not talking even about sexual right now, I'm just talking about emotional support. You're desiring somebody's presence, somebody's emo emotional attention the way you're asking it from them, you're hoping to get it from them, you're longing for it from them, the way 
that would only really be appropriate from your spouse. I talked about putting a boundary up. I talked about renunciation. It means, you know, not seeing them anymore. It doesn't mean that you, it's cold shoulders and you don't greet someone, but neither do you go out of your way to greet them either. If you run into each other, you run into each other, but you're not going out of your way to spend time with them. You're renouncing that tendency in you to want to seek satisfaction to appropriate this person in a way that give glory to God. And so sometimes that can mean something if you're in a spiritual direction relationship or the confessor confessing kind of thing. It, it could mean needing to find another confessor or another spiritual director. And you just need to tell the person, I think this needs to end. <laughs> you know, I think God's calling you to have another spiritual director. I think God's calling you to go to someone else for confession or God's calling you to go somewhere else to confession. And he's going to bless you. I know he's going to bless you because God has a great plan for you and he loves you immensely. But I think God's calling you to do something different. And so you let go of the relationship. You surrender it to the Lord. In surrendering it to the Lord and giving it to him, he is going to create new order in your heart and in the heart of the other person that gives him glory. But for him to create that new order, for him to do that act of creation, you need to give him space by making the, the renunciation. I think that's excellent. Just a, a quick note on that. I think we have to be careful. I'm speaking from my vantage point as a woman that sometimes you can get into relationships with girlfriends, for example, and you're talking. And if they're not supporting you in your marriage, uh, right, or if there's something that is disordered out, out of that, you have to really watch be careful. It's an easy slide. Instead of helping you to work through problems, to help understand things, to help bolster the relationship, they're, they're discouraging, they're diminishing, they're all these other things. That's probably not the best place for you to be in. I think it's true that, too, for couples, and you may have friends, and you and I are friends, but we also know each other's spouses well, and there's a, a real dignity to how we not only talk to each other, but how we respect and honor them. And if that's missing, if it's disordered, you'll know it because it will take you down a path of darkness. And it, before you know it, dusk has turned into night. You have to be very careful. The final thing here, and, and I know we're coming to our, our time, so I'll just kind of end with it. You know, the, going back to the witchcraft thing, this is a whole other uh, area that comes into play uh, today because people are turning to magical things to gain control over the world because they've lost their trust in God. And in light of the rise of the use of magic and the recourse to the demonic in our human relationships, these good boundaries that we're talking about are even more important than ever. You're getting emotionally uh, attached to somebody who's playing around with magic that emotional attachment becomes a, an open door into your heart. The evil they're dabbling with and playing with uh, uh, gains a foothold in you, and uh, that's extremely dangerous. And they may not even realize the depth of what they may be imbibing in. It's not necessarily they're, they're the three witches around a cauldron, and that's very real. That is very real. But those persons 
may be intentionally opening doors. They may not even realize the attachments, the diabolical, the demonic that they brought into their own life, and now they're giving it to you. This is an extremely important observation today. Dabbling with magic, Ouija boards, tarot cards, dabbling with Reiki and uh, other things like that opens spiritual doors in the evil spirits love to take advantage of those openings and make shipwreck out of people's faith. So how important it is to allow the Holy Spirit to guide us in setting up good, chaste, and pure relationships, how important it is not to play around with or goof around with uh, magic or the demonic in any way, uh, but to keep our consciences clear and to love one another in the order that you spoke about inordinate relationships, in the order that God has willed for our lives. Loving those whom we've pledged our life to, our, our spouses, to love them first and to love our children and then allow other friendships as it gives glory of God to let them into our hearts. Amen. Thank you so much, Dr. Anthony Lillis. It's a pleasure to be with you, Chris. Thank you for this conversation. You've been listening to Beginning to Pray with Dr. Anthony Lillis. To hear and or to download this conversation, along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit discerninghearts.com, or you can find it within the free Discerning Hearts app or on whatever platform you obtain your podcasts. There, too, you can also listen to an audio version of the complete autobiography of St. Teresa of Avila. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission, which is to offer authentic and rock-solid spiritual formation freely to souls around the world. And if you feel us worthy, please consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible, to help support our efforts. But most of all, we hope that you will tell a friend about discerninghearts.com and join us next time for Beginning to Pray with Dr. Anthony Lillis.